0: All right. Happy Sabbath. Ah, I missed you. It's been uh, two weeks since uh, we've been up here, but you've been in my hearts and my prayers, and I've been eager to continue with this series. Um, It's uh, personal, as you've heard me say in the last sermon. uh, This journey, for me, has a lot of parallels in my own life as I was trying to figure out my path, uh, God's will for my life, and what God wanted to do in my life. I'm going to wait for the... Okay, there we go. They're talking to each other. Let's uh, have a word of prayer, and uh, we can continue exploring Jonah and allow the, the Word of God to explore us as well. Father, thank you for this opportunity to share with my precious church things that have stirred my heart still do, Lord. And I ask that in the same manner that you help me understand what these principles had to do with my life father glorify yourself this morning that we as a church will know that you still speak to human hearts through your living word i ask for your spirit to give clarity and power that goes beyond my capacity lord that all of our hearts including mine will be stirred convicted and inspired and encouraged father i ask that um, We would understand what it means that we are saved, saving. In Jesus' name, amen, Father. It's the title of the sermon um, this morning, and we tend to have some things, we think we have some things figured out as far as salvation and the gospel, and yet the book of Jonah presents to us a prophet that's giving God a hard time saving him, which is quite a paradox. Um, Jonah has been confronted by sailors who earnestly prayed while he comfortably slept. Jonah has been confronted by sailors who choose to care and row harder for him while he carelessly sleeps and allows us to perish. That's quite disturbing if you stop to think about that this is a prophet doing these things. Uh, Jonah has been confronted by pagans who are showing more obedient commitment to God when they make vows, than him having made such rebellious decisions and ultimately we are confronted by this fish who is preparing jonah for what we're going to be looking at in the second sermon a repentance that leads to reality and we'll touch on that in just a little bit but before we do so i want to let you know that the story of jonah is quite relevant uh, maybe because we don't interact with people outside of the Christian faith, and by, mean, by, by that I mean we may have friends that are, or co-workers that are Lutherans, Baptists, Catholics, etc. I don't know how a, a prevalent in the Cadillac area are individuals that are Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, etc. I'm sure there are, but chances are we may not have interacted with these individuals, or at least not on a personal level. And I want to share with you a video that will hopefully give you an insight that what we see with the pagan sailors in Jonah happens today as well. And it should be M3, I believe, with the audio for the... um, Let's try that again. It's hooked up to the uh, headphone jack. And uh, I was told it was going to be M3 or something like that. Mic three.
1: I finished my college here. I was working for Taj group of Hotels, Bangalore. I saw a very old man. He was eating his own human waste for hunger. I thought, what is the purpose of my life? What am I going to do? In a star hotel, I feed all my guests, but where in my hometown, there are people who are living even without food. I, I quit my job, and I started feeding all these people from 2002. This morning, we made uh, venpongal and sambar. Venpungal is a blend of uh, rice and dal with a lot of uh, spices. Venpungal and uh, sambar was being made for the breakfast, and for the lunch, we made uh, tomato rice and sabji. We fed the homeless mentally ill-destitutes, and the old people who were been left uncared of the society. People are suffering for food. They don't have food to eat. If you don't give them food to eat, they will die out of human hunger. I cut their hair. I give them a shave. I give them bath. For them to feel psychologically that they're also human beings. There are people to care for them. They have a hand to hold, hope to live. Food is one part, love is another part. So the food will give them physical nutrition. The love and affection which you show will give them mental nutrition. Being a Brahmin community and an Orthodox family, there were a lot of objections. Brahmins are not supposed to touch these people, clean these people, hug these people, feed these people. Everybody has got 5.5 liters of blood. I am just a human being. For me, everybody are same. There are are thousands and thousands and lakhs and lakhs of people suffering. What is the ultimate purpose of life? Is to give. Start giving. See the joy of giving.
0: What would you say to... Mr. Krishnan. You're wrong? You say amen? Amen. You almost think this is like an AFM video, right? Or Adra. But just like the music starts harmonizing, no, it's a Hindu. It's a Hindu talking like a Christian. Which I already have some sermon series lined up for this year, and one of them is a series that we're going to go through the book of Romans. This video put flesh and blood to Romans 1 and 2 for me. Because it brought the reality that The Holy Spirit is speaking and working upon the hearts of every single human being on planet Earth right now. God is not waiting for us to send missionaries to these parts of the world. He's already working upon the hearts of individuals, and these pagans are responding. And look at the the breakthroughs, the spiritual breakthroughs that this young man is expressing. I don't know if you caught it. He's from the highest caste in in the Hindu uh, economy, religious economy. He's a Brahmin. And he says, my Orthodox community has objections in doing things which are to touch these people, hug these people, feed these people. In the economy of karma, he's actually hindering them, hurting them. But he's had an epiphany. He's had a moment of elucidation that is supernatural in which one day he wakes up and sees human beings, other humans in his neighborhood, eating human excrement, and he says, I I can't stomach that. I have to do something about it. And so this Hindu is a pagan, quote-unquote sailor, asking the Christian community, so what's your reality? Because he asked that question, what is the ultimate purpose in life? And his conclusion is that it is, did you catch it, what it was? To give. What is it? To give. And then he makes an appeal like a pastor, so start giving. See the joy of giving. When I saw this video, he confronted me as a Christian in my comfort zone, in my bottom of the ship, possessing knowledge, but not allowing that knowledge to transform me. And this Hindu has now gone and spoken at TEDx and many other venues with a message that resonates and speaks clearly as having been transformed by a Savior that he has yet to meet. But the question is for us. His question is for Christians. He's asking that question through a secular uh, news media, but that question speaks very pointedly to the Christian church, to us here this morning, if this gentleman walked into our potluck today and sat next to you and said, what is your ultimate purpose of life? What would you say to him? Honestly. Well, how do you answer? Hey, you're, forget your college aptitude test. Why are you here for? Why do you exist? What are you here for on planet earth? What would we, say, what would we answer to Brother Krishnan? Jonah had that same issue with the sailors. The reality of giving. In Heavenly Places, page page 317 says, It is a law of heaven that we receive, that as we receive, we are to impart. The Christian is to be a benefit to others. Thus, he himself is benefited. He that waters shall be watered also as himself. What this Hindu man has discovered through natural revelation, through the Holy Spirit working in his heart, and him yielding to these conv- convictions step by step, he didn't just get there overnight, he's discovered this law of heaven. And the law of heaven, uh, we as Christians, the 70 Ammonists, we, we're seeing it right here. Is so counterintuitive to our human reasoning. In Christian thinking, in the, in the mindset of the gospel, The only way you you get to keep anything that God gives you is by giving it away. By benefiting others, you are benefited. But in the human mindset is, I benefit myself when I benefit myself. (laughs) When I try to figure out how will I get the biggest slice of the pie during potluck, right? How can I get to the front of the line? I'll bring a visitor, right? (laughs) <laughs> well, I hang out close to the pastor for the first month because then he loses his novelty and his privileges. and Then he's got to go to the back of the line like everybody else, right? The gospel, listen, the gospel, it will take you a lifetime to figure it out because it goes against the grain of our thinking. Our natural inclinations go contrary to the law of heaven. In the law of heaven, you get to have more when you give it away. When you seek to benefit others, that's when you're benefited because in Proverbs, it says that when you water someone, guess what happens? You yourself are watered. How many want to be watered here this morning? I want to have a refreshing experience. I grew up in the church. I got tired of the same boring sermons. And the problem, listen carefully, the problem were not what I thought were the boring old pastors. The problem were not the sermons or the pastors. The problems were my ears. I could have heard some amazing sermons, but I had already made up my mind. It's boring. Let me, let me zone out. Jonah presents to us the, the human reasoning path of R&R. But Jonah also presents God's path of R&R. And they're very different. Jonah's R r is about rest and relaxation. Coasting till Jesus comes. Cruise control. Sabbath after Sabbath. Oh, it's, it's potluck Sabbath. Oh, it's a brand new pastor. Oh, we have camp meeting. Oh, we have Christmas. Oh, we have Thanksgiving. And after a while, our brains go numb. And the more, listen carefully. The more you allow yourself, because it doesn't have to happen, but the more you allow this cycle to affect you, you will run the high risk of becoming a cultural Christian, a cultural Seventh-day Adventist, where you like the culture. Hey, I'm here because I just can't get away from haystacks. <laughs> no other church has those. And we mastered them. You're a cultural Adventist. If you go to a camp meeting and stay in your trailer watching football, you're a cultural Adventist. Are you Are you, are you listening? So we have this, this pathway of the, the R&R that Jonah was seduced into versus the R&R that God offers to every believer, every person that claims to be a son or daughter of God, which is repentance into reality. Our logos, right? Revival and Reformation, that, that usually becomes white noise. If I, if I were to title a sermon or series, Revival and the Reformation, many of us would zone out when we get the bulletin. Revival and Reformation, have I heard that before? I wonder who's preaching at the village church in Bering Springs, right? This is, I think, a refreshing way of looking at it. Repentance into reality. Conversion, really, is you being led by God to have this experience that we will talk more and more as we continue. An experience called repentance into reality. That is what God is offering us every single day of life. Repentance into reality. And this repentance doesn't come by external experiences. It comes by a personal choice. A personal choice that you will have to bleed and sweat and claw and fight for it, even though it's easy and accessible to us at all times. And I'm talking about prayer. Listen, if you haven't figured it out yet, that is one of the most difficult disciplines to develop as a Christian. Have you experienced that? In your, in your, I've experienced it. I'm a pastor. Exhaustion, stress, distractions, lack of time. When my wife and I got married, I had an epiphany. We got married in the summertime. We got back from our honeymoon. We went to the camp meeting in Pennsylvania. And we had other couples there, couples that we liked And so we we were kind of gleaning wisdom, you know, from those that had gone before us, you know, give us some tidbits so that, we know, we can kind of skip the potholes of marriage. In conversing with them, it dawned on me. As a bachelor, I had a hard time finding time with the Lord. Now that I was married, I was going to have to find time for the Lord and my wife. That's less time. That's like you used to have the pizza all for yourself. Now you got to share it, Right? And then we had children. All your personal time goes away. You have no private place in your home. They invade every nook and cranny. They even start getting into your closet. And what I mean by that is that their stuff starts getting into your closet. Because of grandparents that need to repent to stop sending stuff over. (laughs) Your grandparents, repent. (laughs) Keep in mind... Some t- someday your child may have to move, <laughs> and that's where we're at right now. How we're going to move all these grandparent uh, paraphernalia? We have this great reality, this elephant in the room, that we seldom re- really talk about, and we need to we need to look at face face up to it. We want things, but don't like to pay for them. And though grace is free and salvation is free Jesus does say things like if any man wants to come after him after me let him pick up his cross how often yeah. daily and then come after me you can't follow Jesus without a cross So it's not that you're paying for your salvation but salvation will change you <laughs> You can't be saved and then remain the same That's like I had cancer I went and got treatment, and I still have cancer. The great physician, when Jesus would touch the blind, the blind stopped being blind. Amen? When he touched the lepers, the leprosy. And when he touched the dead, the dead came back to life. It's no different spiritually. If you are connected to God through your prayer life, he will change you. He will change you. Satan knows that that's the heart of it. So it's not about making us feel uber guilty that our prayer life right now may be in the rocks. Our prayer life may be full of excuses and reasons that we justify to ourselves as to why it ain't what it should be.